Welcome y'all to the Black Hoof Saloon, a Wild West Exodus podcast. Mosey on up to the bar and get yourself a bottle of fire water or a glass of sarsaparilla and listen to some good old yarns about adventures of law dogs, outlaws, and weird creatures. So set a spell, water your ride or your rider, and get ready to tune up your posses. This is the Black Hoof Saloon. Howdy, howdy, all you cow punchers, and welcome back to another episode of Black Hoof Saloon. This is Eric here, and I am joined, as always, by Tom. Hey there. And also by Brian, way in the deep south of Texas. Howdy. (laughs) Happy New Year, everybody. It's a new year. We got a new show. Today, we got some cool stuff lined up for you, like uh, the rest of my sit-down talk I had with Parker at PAX Unplugged back in November, and we got some just general news for you guys, and we actually got some mailbag bonanza, maybe, in the end of the, towards the end of the show, but uh, Christmas gifts, so we just got done with Christmas and the holidays. Let's start off with that. Did you guys get any cool Wild West Exodus stuff for Christmas? Uh, I did. So knowing that no one was actually going to get me anything, um, I picked up some stuff at PAX Unplugged, and I gave it to my kids and said, you're giving me this for Christmas. And they're like, okay. (laughs) So uh, I picked up an Infernal Investigations posse, and uh, and Nakano goes in, uh, which I actually just got again today because uh, my original one had a Hexalith packed into it. Uh, And then today in the mail I got – uh, a new one, and I opened it up, and it was indeed her, so that was awesome. And I got some uh, new dice and uh, some poker chips because the poker chips that go with this game, the new ones that they came out, are really, really nice. I finally saw them and handled them at Packs Unplugged. It was just like, all right, these are yeah, these are worth it. These are pretty cool. You were yeah, hooked. They're, they're, they're just nice. I mean, what are you gonna, what are you going to say? They did a nice job with those. That's all, that's it for me. What about you, Brian? Yeah, so um, I I pretty much the same thing. I I was uh, at the our monthly you know game over at at uh, at Space Cadet in the Woodlands. I was given instructions to go ahead and pick up what I was going to want for from everybody for Christmas. So I, I picked up the Dark Nation posse set, the Galvanic Mysteries posse set, and the Saloon which I am painting as we do this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we get to watch you, like, you know, get down, and, you know, we'll have to yell at you because you're getting so into painting your building. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Tom might have to start cracking on you or something to get your attention. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, we just keep looking at the top of his head. (laughs) He doesn't have the same halo from the light above him, though. Yes. Hey, at least I got a haircut, so you guys can see the the, the fresh cut. Getting <laughs> kind of shaggy. Well, I got a new Sonic toothbrush for Christmas. <laughs> no, I did get some stuff. I, I. Like like you guys, I think all of us did this. We bought what we wanted, and we gave it to our families to give to us under the tree. My, the, the, the answer I got was, yeah, I'll get you something. Just tell me what you want because you have so much, I have no clue what to get. 
So, yeah, I picked up two posse sets at PAX as well. I got the the mounted Condistadors, and I got the Dark Nation uh, posse set. So those those were my Christmas gifts that Santa Eric gave me for Christmas. So Very nice. But moving on to It Is A New Year, resolutions. Do you guys have any resolutions for the new year and Wild West Exodus? Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any suggestions for me? Uh, I think I got a good one for you. Play hey, some hey, games. Hey, hey, hey. Wow. Well, um, you know, they kicked off over um, – Mike Pierce had kicked off some games over at Top Deck Games. It's about an hour drive for me to get over there, but I plan to try to get over. Uh, I missed the first one last uh, two sun- last Sunday. It was last Sunday. Uh, I'm hoping to make it to the one next Sunday. So we'll see if I uh, if I can manage to scrape together the time to get over there. Hopefully, get some games in. Yes, it, from what I've seen on you know the the different groups, it, it seems like some of the interest in your area has has really you know st- still stuck in there from PAX. So that little that local area, uh, and it is great that Mike's fueling it by getting these events going for people. So. Hopefully you can yep. make it out there. Yep. What about you guys? And and I guess you know I'm. We'll we'll, we'll throw us out there. I'm going to paint a miniature this year. Yep. It's <laughs> gonna. <happen. laughs> you know, you get all blue and just dip. Is that is that what your paint well, method that, was? That that counts, right? <laughs> so it does count. It does count. <laughs> so yes, yes, I will get one done this year. Before you know it, Tom's going to be the fastest painter in the West. Yeah, I'm not vouching for the quality of the job, but man, the quantity will be there. <laughs> Brian, do you have any resolutions for this year for Wild West Exodus? Um, I, I think I'm going to branch out and try to get a, another local store energized like the one that I'm I'm currently going to. Because so we we've kind of resolved in it's a once a month. We have the, the store committed to do an, a big event once a month where it's the Saturday event every third Saturday. So with that already set up, it's been going ongoing for six months steady okay. once a month. I want to I want to try to get a, a, something closer. Because that's like, that's like a, about an hour for you, right? It's 45 minutes. Okay. So just under an hour to get to Space Cadet. It's still worth it. And I have no problems doing it. Like occasionally, if I, if someone wants a pickup game and I'm free, I'll I'll even go up there for an extra game. But it's still Houston's a big enough place that we can have more communities. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna get one of these other stores nearby to see if we can you know get another meta going, and then 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 it opens up events that we can cross cross country too you know then yeah, we can have yeah. store versus store tournament <laughs> and then have a championship you know it gives us some more options on uh you know fun things that we can do i loved uh, your i loved your guys last event that you you had set up at the store the uh come in and paint your posse type uh, event yeah, it, it, i thought that was cool we had two of the youngsters that you know two of the teens that have picked up the game and that they one of them got stuff at christmas you know, yeah. his dad got into the game and then he went ahead and bought his son, his own, his own posse. And so they, they came out that morning and his son painted third man and creature 
before we had to, you know, put up the paints and set up for, for games. Okay. And one of the other kids that came, he was painting. He, he has bought a, he's got, I think, five factions now. So he's like all in. He's having a ball, you know, sharp young man. And he has quite a bit of gray. So he came in, he was starting to paint his outlaws. And it was good to see him painting. I, of yeah. course, brought my saloon so I could get some painting in and forgot my paints. <laughs> well, go, going back to your uh, kind of branching out to another store, Brian, do you do you guys got like a little local area group type thing on Facebook that, you know, people can find it on Facebook if they're just typing in, you know, and looking for different yep. groups in there? Okay. Okay. Yeah, we got it's called Houston Wildwood Sextus. And, uh, yeah, we do. Uh, Brian over at Base Kiddus, he uses it, and okay. he uses the Dark Council. He'll post up events both places. Yeah, so, I just I just did something like that recently uh, in the last month. I think I did in December. For in our area, I, I put up a Chicagoland uh, Wild West Exodus group, and there's quite a few people in there. And that way it's just if, you know, my area is so spread out that there's people like 40 minutes south of me or 40 minutes you know towards the city or you know a couple of them want to play they can get together at whatever store that's kind of close to them um and organize events but yeah i'm so my resolutions are very similar to yours brian i've been actually i just started working probably back in october on a, a local store that's actually very local for me it's like 10 minutes away and the owner, uh, it's it's in the the next town for me in Grays Lake, Illinois, uh, Gift of Games. And he's very he's like, yeah, bring your stuff in, let's let's do something type thing. And I've I've done two events there at their store on the weekend, and have had a couple people come out just that are like very very new to the game. They've seen it, but they know nothing about it. So I've showed them, you know, some of the 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 main mechanics of the game like what what makes the game uh you know stand out with like the the different decks and the no wound system and and just the fact that it's got all these legendary you know historical larger than life characters in the game and it's, it's gone pretty well um i'm planning one coming up actually next week during the week because there's a lot of people that wanted to come out they had you know scheduling problems for the weekend with family and you know they just couldn't make it out and they I kind of was suggested maybe you know if you guys had, if you did something at, during the week maybe I could make it out type thing so I arranged at the store to do it on their miniatures night which he said is just like Armada and X-wing guys there so there'll be plenty of room that I can set up some stuff and hopefully we'll get some people coming out so that's yeah that's one of mine, and my other is kind of a two-part resolution. The other one is to paint more. I need to paint more. I mean, we always bust your chops, Tom, about painting, but I need to paint more. I have so much gray in the basement because it's just my time frame at home. I can get guys together quick, and but I just can't sit down for more than an hour to paint a night. So it's like I paint a buckle. Okay, I'm done. I got to quit. You know, so it's like I got... My resolution is to try and carve out more time to actually get some paint on these posses and I, actually finish them, you know, yeah, not just space. Because 
I I have not as bad as before because I I cleared off most of my Confederates, but I have uh, about twenty models that I'm in work in progress. Well, yeah, you sent me a picture about a week ago of all this new stuff you're working on, and it's like, wait a second, I thought your desk cleared out and it just filled back up. <laughs> that my second set of deputies got them finished, mount based everything varnished and they're off my desk i did that with my confederates but i have about six of them got uh you know ghost sickness from the varnish oh yeah i remember they're still on my desk because i have to get that corrected and then i have the deadly seven the wayward eight that i had gotten last may immediately started working on them but then makara showed up and then the jedrick and elena showed up and obviously those got precedent and i wanted to get those finished as fast as possible so they still haven't finished so i've got them finished and then uh, i picked up hamilton and her her confederate enlightened posse and i started so they're they're on on the table with some paint on them uh i've got my second jedrick with batons conversion he's in work in progress um i did get my legendary jedrick in 2020 and they are already based and layering has already started on them as well <laughs> they kind of moved to the top of the group <laughs> yeah i am um, i timed I, I, I did get a box of the luminant <laughs> i did get a box of the luminant and i started painting them as well so just, brian would it be fair to say that you could just send me your Infernal Investigations posse that's painted, and I'll send you all my unassembled gray ones that's even, right? That's like a fair swap. I did, a, I did a, an amazing job on my Infernal Investigations. <laughs> no, but you can send me your Infernal Investigations. I, I would be willing to put them in line and, uh, and paint them for you. It's assembly line. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's a one man factory painting machine. <laughs> Seriously, holy cow! <laughs> so I think I, I enjoy painting them, so I would I would paint paint you a set, but there's no promise of timing. Could you get it done before the end of March? <laughs> rough. <laughs> now, mind you, I painted mine record speed. I wanted them done and on the table, so I painted mine really fast. And they turned out amazing. Maybe I'll try the same, and uh, you know, and then they can turn out not amazing, but paint. <laughs> <laughs> just get a a big round brush, Tom. You say, okay, blotted in flesh color. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, there's done. Okay, let's get a brown. Boom, boom, boom. I got that. I've done that. All Nothing right. wrong with that. <laughs> it's like you know, just get three colors on there. You're done. Dip. Got it. So like three colors of like brown, right? Yeah. <laughs> three shades of brown is three colors, right? <laughs> well, all right. That was our resolutions. Do uh, we got anything for our opener? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, we kind of bringing in the new year, which is kind of a little bit of an update. I guess we could kind of move into our one of our first segments for this episode. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to cut out all that dead air I just put in there. <laughs> Tom going, yes. And leave the yes in there. <laughs> you got to say it like Ed McMahon. Yes, sir.
All right, guys, in this segment for this episode, we are going to tackle portals. So we're going to have a little bit of a discussion on portals and what they are, how they how to use them, and maybe even a little bit of how to play with them and against them. So portals. Brian, what are portals, basically? They're just how you can jump around on the board, right, from point A to point B. Right. So they're basically an interventional gateway from one spot on the table to any of the other portals on the table. So in first edition, you had to go from the two. You've got to put two down and those were linked. Now there is no linked portals. You can portal through any of the portals on the table. If you go into one, you come out of any of the ones that you choose. Yeah. Including your enemy's portals. That's right. I just, right. So I, <laughs> that's one of the neatest parts of the new version of the portals is the way they work is if there are portals on the table, they don't have to necessarily be your own to be able to be used. You can jump through and exit any portal on the table. The only caveat is if you go through an enemy portal, there is a mind check involved. And if you fail your mind check, then you you're forced to come out of a friendly portal. Yeah, you basically, it's almost like you could lose a activation, essentially, because you get nothing accomplished. All right, so there are a few different types. There, There's just a few. Uh, let's go ahead and go over the types. So every faction in the game does have some kind of portal. So the different types. We have, what is there, one, two, three, four? There's four different ones, right? Right, so there's portal. And the Enlightened Lawmen, Outlaws, the Union, and the Watchers use just the regular portal. The Order have something that's called the All-Shard Portal. The Hex have a Hexalith or a Profane Nest, and they're both a little bit different. And then the Warrior Nation has Small Spirit Totem. So all of those are considered portals, so they, they, have, they use the same rule set. Okay. Now, Hexaliths and the Spirit Totems have perhaps the edge in the portal game because they are placed on the board through deployment and you get so many based on a special ability on cards so like the hexaliths everyone who has dark council as a special ability can deploy one hexalith a piece so when you go with absolute power you're going to have about five uh hexaliths to place up on the board which is huge and they, they have to be scattered on the board. The, the caveat is you can't put them in deployment zones. They have to be you know, six inches from the deployment zones. But you can put them all close to your, your enemy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you can and, hide them very well, too. It's like I've right. played against Warrior Nation before where the guys, uh, the player put them next to a building where there's a bunch of boxes and other junk next to that building that you would use so for cover. It was right in there, so it's like you forget it's there, and all of a sudden it's like right. guys got popping up right in the middle of the board. Right. Oh. So yeah, the, the totems are the same. So if if a warrior nation base or uh, boss has totemic, they are allowed to place a large totem or uh, small totems, you know, per totemic. Right. So say you have three guys with totemic, yeah, you're going to be able to put three large or nine small. Okay, I was wondering what the difference with the large and the small were. Okay, put down three smalls, or you could put down a one large. So it, it stacks up. 
So especially if you like spirit shamans, because they each have totemic and you can bring multiples of them. Uh, so that gives them an edge because they start the game with portals already in play. Mm-hmm. And you can set them far enough away where you'll be able to move down the board better than other portal generators because of the limitations of generating new portals. All right. So using portals, let's talk a little bit of how they work. How do you, how do you, we've kind of covered with the totems and the, the hexaliths were, you know, based on a certain ability on a, a unit's card, you get so many, but so for the other ones, the other portals that have to be basically generated, how does that work exactly? Okay. So the first step is to be able to manipulate portals. It's a special combat action. So you got to remember it's a combat action and it's because it's a special combat action. You can only do it once per activation. Uh, so that, that, that is an inherent limitation as well. And the manipulate portal unit must have specific rules that enable them to generate a portal. So like you'll have to have a weapon that has portal as part of their, their special traits, mm-hmm. or they can have uh, an ability, a special ability like portal master. If, if you have this special uh, ability called portal mastery, you obviously can generate portal mm-hmm. portal mastery special is actually really good. And if you're going to be, if you're going to play portals, you definitely want to have at least one portal master in your posse. That sounds cool. <laughs> I want to be the portal master it be, because portal mastery gives you one free portal manipulation. Okay. And it doesn't count towards the special combat uh, action limitation because it's free. So you can, that's the only way you can have multiples in, in one go. So I would, that's the first tactic. Number one, make sure you have two portal masters in your posse and you'll be set. Like, especially for the order, the order, you know, legendary Nura and then uh, Salto the face, bring them both. If you want to do portals and you want to be good at it, you need them both because now you have two free portal activations per turn, you know, and that's the only way to get these portals out there and for you to be able to use them in round one and two. Otherwise you're waiting. It's like by the end of round three is by, by the, by the time you be effective with them. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's it's hard to get going, especially if you're playing the Hex, who all their portals are ready to go in the beginning. Yeah, and they get a fortune off of their uh, Hexaliths. They get a fortune off of which there are no freebies off of portals that you're generating. So yeah. it, the Allshard portal, I think maybe in the next version might get some love, and maybe they will, will interact the same way as the um, totems and stuff, that you get them based on, you know, your posse instead of having to generate them. Yeah. So there might be some of that in the next version. Okay. Uh, so at least I'll be again. Wait, wait, <laughs> nudge Say no more. So when you want to create a portal or if you want to make, or you want to collapse a portal, you, you, you have to make a portal check and you have to, of course, succeed of 10 or higher to do so. The model must roll a D10 and add both their mind and aim attributes. This combined score then suffers a penalty of minus one per inch of distance between the targeted portal position and the closest model in the unit making the portal check. If the check fails, then the action ends with no further effect. 
If it passes, either remove the target portal from play or select the new portal of the type specified on the table. And then once the model is selected, it is placed at that point. The portal model scatters D5 inches in a random direction. Any portal generated within one inch of a unit in impassable terrain or outside the play area immediately collapses and is removed from play. Okay. Now, can you, uh, like with the normal scatter rules, can you pay a fortune to cancel that scatter? No. They currently no. do not have that ability. Okay. That would be sweet. That would help some some of that randomness of it going in, you know, scattering into a unit of hands or terrain. And yeah, I think I played with a, a, a player that was playing dark nation and he was trying to constantly keep opening hexaliths and, and stuff. And he, he just, that random was just killing him. Granted, I tend to put too much junk on the board. So he had that going against him. All right. So that was, Basically placing or removing portals. Uh, now, using is very similar to, like, get in, like, get into a building, right, Brian? It's You, you need to be, well, I, like, three inches away from it? Yeah, it's called portal move. It's a move action. So that's one of the nice things is it's not a special move. It's just a move. So you can move twice if you need to. Okay. Uh, this obviously the second time you go through a portal, it would cost you two action points, but it's not prevented from you jumping. To move through a portal, you have to be a small or medium sized base model only, and you have to be within three inches of a portal's base. If only some models in the unit are close enough, then the unit cannot make a portal move. So the whole unit has to be close enough. So that that limits your hands units jumping through portals because they yeah. all have to be within three inches to be able to make the portal jump. So slowpoke Skippy in the back better pick it up. Right. Uh, so once the portal, um, once the unit makes the portal move action, the unit is temporarily removed from the player. The entire unit must then immediately be placed in a incoherency within three inches of another portal model on the table. And mind you, you can jump to any available portal, which includes enemy portals. So, and then you just have to survive the mind check. Does Brian question there? Does that include other types of portals? So if I jump into a regular portal, can I come out a hexalith? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. And so what? What the, the the limitation on the mind check is? It's minus one for each enemy portal in play. Mm. So when you're you going through a hexalith and you're playing a team who has plenty of dark counselors on the on the table it's going to be harder because, you know, if they brought five dark counselors, it's minus five on your mind check. So depending on who you have jumping through, it's, it's not a sure thing. So obviously in the beginning, it's easier to jump through your enemy portals. If they're say uh, the lawmen, the enlightened, the watchers, because they're under the same limitations as they're creating their portals as you go. So obviously in the beginning, it's easier to jump through your enemy's portals because they don't have as many, they don't have that many on the board. So uh, you definitely want to consider that before you start, you know, uh, taking advantage of your enemy's portals. Yeah. Or just send some high mind faces through there. All right. Well, that, that covers basically the basics of portals. Uh, You know, the different types, placing them, removing them, using them, you know, actually going through your own or an enemy's. 
why don't we get into a little bit of minor tactics of how to play with or against them? Um, I mean, one of the things I know right off the bat that I always do when I see totems or hexaliths out there is I attack them. You know, if I don't have them and my opponent does, I start shooting them. Right. So because totems and hexaliths have other properties that are just really good, they generate they generate uh, fortune to any of them nearby, which is which is good. So you definitely hexalith. You want to take them out. They they currently are the most powerful of the portal options uh, in the game. So you definitely don't hesitate to shoot them. The your your biggest issues are going to be fortune maintenance, like keeping track of your fortune. Definitely want to team up, use some teamwork if you can find them. Those cards are going to be invaluable to get portals early in a game. If you're not, you know, uh, the hex or the warrior nation, you're going to have to have some of assistance from your adventure cards because that's the only way to get them out fast enough and then be able to use. So for example, you know, you have Salto on her activation. She uses her free to open up a close portal Mm-hmm. Right, and it's not a given that it's still going to be within three inches if that's your target, you know. So, say you generate the first. Your goal is to put it right in front of, uh, say, Makara, so she can jump through and go quickly get to uh, a target. So you you target there, and you know, hey, it moves two inches away from her. Well, okay, so now it's past the three inch, so she's going to have to move to then jump through the portal. So. You're going to want to use Fortune to make sure you get a better scatter roll because it's a roll that you can re-roll. So, you know, those are the kind of things that you have to be prepared for because you're, the mitigation of your Fortune, you're going to be using it there, right? Yeah. So then you're going to want to have Salto then try to throw out a further portal for her to jump through, right? So you get one close to Makara, but now you got you got to do the Hail Mary and try to get one as far as you can. So now you're looking at her mind uh, attribute, her aim attribute, and now you're subtracting the minus, the, yeah, the distance. Okay, so eight, right? So you're looking at a mind of maybe six or seven for most of the, your portal masters, and then an aim of six or seven, you know, for some of them. So you're looking at twelve points. You're going to be coming back on that, right? Yeah. So you're going to be eight points off of 12 you're looking at four points added to your roll you gotta roll a six or higher okay right that's just eight inches yeah <laughs> and quickness of makara is is what you're so you're only giving her an extra boost of so much so you see the limitations of the portals inherent when you don't have them already on the board at the beginning of the game right so those are the things to consider when you when you start doing your portals. Um, the neat thing about portals is in the beginning of the game, you can jump through your enemy portals. You get a little bit extra, you know, yeah. especially if you time it correctly and you can do it before they get their second portal out because it just makes it so much easier for you to jump through them and not have to worry about it. Now, something also to think of think about to kind of. Uh, to remember is like who can use them so like you mentioned makara now she's on a medium oval can oval 
characters use portals? I know it says small and medium, but does that include ovals too? Right. So originally, the way medium ovals were described is they were not different. Okay. But now, just recently, in the last couple of days, they did verify, and War Cradle did say now Makara as an oval can't go through. Okay, so that's they like a new FAQ type of thing. Right. So okay. originally there was no difference between the two, but now they are designating that vehicles can't go through, whether or not they consider Makara a vehicle or not. Yeah. On a medium oval, and now we're just looking at a medium ovals shouldn't be going through portals. Okay. So that, I mean, no. in a way, the medium oval thing is a good thing because, like you said, vehicles going through there. That would be nuts to have some iron horses or, you know, those suckers going through there. So, all right. I uh, see no problem with it. But, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been getting into the mount the mounted uh, units more, so that would that would be nice if you could. But, yeah, they're already fast as it is. <laughs> some of them don't need the portals to get across the board. Well, you know, there's... Not necessarily. They're, they're, the biggest thing is is portals have some uses, but with dash and, you know, the ability to focus a move, yeah, there are better ways of moving your guys across the board. Well, it seems to me that sometimes, I mean, I've tried them a few times with very poor success that they can end up very much so limiting your your game it's just the games are short as it is with five turns and if you kind of spend three turns just to try and get them to work the the ones that you have to place and then you got to place the other one and then you got to move through it, it can really take away from you know a plan for your faction during a game well it, it's it's resource intensive it takes a lot of resources to get it just to be able to do it you may not be able to capitalize on it because yeah. you've used so much of resources to just do it because it's cool and you can't do anything with it when you get there. That is the biggest limitation to portals right now. In first edition, you didn't have to spend anything. You just to did go, it. Right? You had to have an action to create a portal, mm-hmm. but it created both ends. Okay. Right? And the distance didn't have a detriment. So if you succeeded in in the role, it didn't, it, you got to put it within the limitation of your range, right? So, for instance, like one of the portal generators from first edition was the destroyer from the Watchers. So he had a finite range of his gun. He shot it. That's where the portal went, you know? So the, the issue is in this game, it takes more to get it to do what you need and it. You just might not have enough resources to actually capitalize on it until a later turn, which, you know, how turns go, it, it it's just a little more of a long shot. But it is very cinematically cool yeah. to have your dudes jump through portals. You know, like the game I help with the Absolute Power, again, they have right now, their portals are already on board. Yeah. So it's a lot easier. And then you have them be able to then create more portals, which does help. Because now you get through your first portal, and then now you can create another one. So your next activation, you're ready to jump even further down the board and really get in someone's face. And yeah. what we did, we ended up having Maria uh, Villa and John uh, Hunter, uh, the Union Trader, 
he they jumped through the portal and literally went right in the face of the the boss Ponce de Leon and you know proceeded. Now there's two two against one with Ponce de Leon. Mind you, it's a long shot because Ponce de Leon is really really good. But luckily, the risk of that encouraged Ponce de Leon's cannon to <laughs> just commit to shooting into engaged target and. The blast of the thing ended up killing Ponce de Leon. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but the portals worked. See, in that instant, the portals worked because you got right into Ponce de Leon's face because he was popping shots that long distance. It was like, okay, well, we're going to portal over to him. That way you take away his ability to shoot, shoot you, but your weapons give you parry. You have a little better shot at, yeah. you know, survive. Like I said, I love portals. I've, I've, you know, I've got air, most of the portal characters that they've introduced because they do add some kind of, you know, coolness to the game. So I'm, I'm encouraged to see maybe some modifications in the next update to where the portals become a little easier for those factions who don't have the luxury of having all their portals already on the board. So Brian, I have a question for you. You know, in your opinion, for the hex and for the warrior nation having the totems and having the hexliths uh, and have being able to spread them around the board to start out the game. Do you find those factions need that to really be viable or do you, do you think that that's, you know, somewhat unbalanced or broken? Um, I, I don't think they need them because the, the hex really don't need that help because they're really, really good. They're very similar to some of the other, face intensive posses where they're all really, really good, right? So it's an expensive posse. They're all really good. There isn't really any, you know, lame ducks in the group. So they don't really need all that extra help. So they have an unfair advantage. I don't think it would be broken. It's just when you, when you build a new feature to a new uh, thing and you didn't then make sure that, the previous portals don't fall behind, you know? So I think that's why we're waiting for the next update because it gives them an opportunity to make sure that they can equal that out a little bit because in warrior nations, their totems have always been good. The new totemic system is very good, but the totemic system removes some of the, uh, I guess, overpoweredness of the totems in the last roundup version before we went to 2.0, they were uh, very easily a way for Warrior Nation to out-activate. And, I mean, it, there was a lot of little hinky things in the first version where uh, eventually the totems were <laughs> were a little OP. <laughs> oh, they, they, they were very broken in first edition. Right. Not originally, but in that last version before 2.0, they, 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 they got broke. Especially with the small, once you can add the small ones for like for no point, and yep. you had 20, 20 or so, uh, you know. Yep, and you, you can hide them behind. They were so small, you could hide them behind a rock. Right. <laughs> That's what always got me. I forget about them. So I, I think I think I don't think they're broke. I just think they they have an unfair at the current way the rules are are crafted. 
they just have an unfair advantage because they don't have to spend all those resources everyone else has to generate portals, right? That that's the main thing is it's it allows them to be portaling sooner than anyone else. So it obviously there are uh, plenty of posses that can overcome that kind of limitation. Uh, I had really good success with my portal team up with uh, Makara and them, but again. Of course, the next time I won't have a car be jumping through. Yeah, um, but there are other, there are plenty of other really good order options that that can jump through portals and, and take advantage of it, uh, especially with uh, some of the newer, the newer sets that come out for the order. Well, if uh, anybody has any questions or ideas about portals, maybe something that we didn't think of, uh, shoot us a, a message or something. And- We'll, we can continue the conversation about portals. I know it's, uh, in my area, it's very underused uh, element in the game. I myself have tried them, kind of get them, but most most of the players in my group, I've never seen them use them other than Warrior Nation, uh, just because it's for them it's easy. But, uh, yeah, shoot us a line if you guys had any more questions or, you know, questions about how they work or maybe just experiences and we'll see where the conversation takes us with portal talk all right why don't we get out of this uh segment and i hope that helped everybody kind of get a a little peek into portals and how they work and we'll move into another segment for the show Last episode, in episode 8, we had a segment where I presented a part 1 of a sit-down talk with Parker from the Battlehammer, who was at PAX with War Cradle helping them out in their demo team. And in part 1, we just chatted about all things Wild West Exodus, and we ended up cutting it in half just for time's sake. So in this episode, I'm going to continue the sit-down talk I had with him in this part two, where we continue to talk about Wild West Exodus and kind of get into a little bit of things to think about when you're posse building, like certain abilities, and just general rambling that we do when we're talking. Hopefully, we get to sit down again with Parker and some of the other guys at War Cradle at future cons that we see them at. Hopefully, it sounds okay. We were kind of experimenting with on-location recording. So, here it is, part two of our sit-down with Parker. So, what else you did you want to talk about? So, I'm letting you have the mic. That's kind of you. I appreciate it. Because you're used to video, so we just get to hear your... Your sing-song voice. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Uh, So I was thinking, and I'm sure you've had this kind of thing, so people talk about list building, right? And in a lot of games, when you're talking about list building, you're talking about what exact thing do I want to take? You know, do I want to have this unit? Like, 40k is a game that lots of people know, and like, if you play Death Guard, and then they say, because I follow the Death Guard um, Facebook page, and they're like, what should I take? What weapons should I take in what units? And how many of these guys should I have? And what's the most efficient thing, right? And I don't think that you can do that same thing in uh, Wild West Exodus. Because no. 
it's a more fluid game. Yeah. Um, but I do think there are things you can think about when you're building a list. Things you might, you're not saying you should definitely take all of these things, but there's definitely aspects of, of these things that you could should think about. Yeah. To make a well-rounded posse, basically. Because yeah. you want to cover all your bases. You don't want to make it where it's... And this is something actually like Warrior Nation struggles with. You don't want to make a posse that's all melee. Yeah. You know, you want to have some guys that are fast, some guys that can, you know, from a distance shoot and deal with stuff. You want, you know, you want a broad range of the different things they can do. I think by having that broad range, it's not all about having specific things. It might be about, so if we say the first thing, right, so objective grabbers. Yeah. need something to sit on an objective. Most of the time when you're playing Wild West Exodus, there are objectives on the board, whether they be part of Treasure Hunt or, or Stake a Claim or, or the buildings. You know, you want to hold an objective. That doesn't always have to be a hands unit. Generally speaking, you probably want a hands unit to hold an objective mm-hmm. because you've got extra wounds on there, because you've got five models instead of one model. Yeah, uh, You've got lots of shots coming out. Maybe you can waste an activation because they've only got a limit of two, so you don't feel so bad when they have that one activation they can't move. Yeah, um, But they don't have to be uh, a hands unit. Maybe you've got a support unit like, um, I don't know, Confederate Terminators or Brutes or something like that. They're quite good at just sitting on an objective. Yeah, yeah. Brutes are good because they can't move and shoot anyway. So just stay, have them stay put, and then they can shoot from wherever they are. Exactly. If anybody right. gets close to them. Totally. But also, there are certain faces who might have a better job at doing that. Someone like Vlad Ursel for the uh, Enlightened. Oh yeah, with his range. Yeah. Jeez. He's got a vo- he's got a uh, hyper volley rifle, which has got I think range eighteen. Um, he's got dead eye, so he can snipe, so he can pick off guys. Mm-hmm. And also, he's got that trap, which is like a AOE blast template at a short range. Uh, so that allows him to kind of, if people do start moving down, he can really, you know, kind of lay some hurt on a big hands unit. Yeah. So there are lots of different options there. And I think that's one of the things I really wanted to talk about, not feeling like you have to take these things. Yeah. Just be aware that you want an objective grabber and then kind of decide how you want to do that. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's more like I've heard the term toolbox. You want a toolbox. Exactly right. So you have uh, just different guys that can do different things, so you're not just locked into one strategy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Is there anything that you think should be you should put into this? I say should, obviously. I am horrible at doing this. <laughs> um I tend to pick like one thing and stick to it. Oh, okay. And then, I mean, I've been getting, I've been forcing myself to do more of the the horde mentality mm-hmm. with the enlightened because they're also slow. Yeah. And trying to build speed into it so you can get somewhere fast is hard with the faction that I play a lot. Yeah. So I'm trying to do the mass numbers, I guess, with the because. One of my bad habits is, and I'm sure everybody else too, is they take a lot of faces. Yeah. Because they got, they're cool. You know, you want to play with the name guys. But I like taking, yeah, just numbers game. Mm-hmm. Like we mentioned, all the hands units. So you have more than one guy, they're going to, that unit is going to be around a lot longer. And you can use them as kind of like meat shields yeah. in a way. 
or you know take one for the team mm-hmm. that's something i like to think about so if i have a say a slow boss i can get those guys around them to protect them and if somebody's aiming for my boss it's like well hey buddy you take a hit <laughs> you know yeah. so that, yeah. that, that i mean that's Something I I've been trying to work on yeah, when I possibly so build. Contrast anyway, it doesn't matter if they get shot. Right? Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, they just fix them. They'll get up again for a little while and then go back down. It's like all right. That's it. <laughs> it's just a resource to enlighten. So. <laughs> One thing I've been trying to do is in my enlightened force, I take uh, Francis Tumpty because he's got that dark council special rule. So hopefully he can compel that big unit I want to move up, uh, and then that'll give you better action movement. Yeah. I really like doing that. I mean, I always fail with it, but it's worth a try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. I, I try to, and I'm horrible. <laughs> what do you got for another posse idea when so, you're building? Speed. Yep. We kind of mentioned that a little bit. Yeah. So. I mean, because you want to grab... So we talking about... Earlier, we were talking about like, objective grabber, so people can hold an objective. Whereas speed is more like you want to get to the other objective first. So maybe you want to get something that's up the board, you want to get there before your opponent does, maybe you want to get into your opponent's deployment zone with something, so you can score a point on the yeah. card deck. Yeah. But of course, again, with speed, same with objective grabbers, there are lots of ways of having speed. You can have a mounted unit, so maybe a group on an iron horse, or one of those interceptors, which we love so much. Yeah. Or you could put them in a transport, like a, an iron, um, what are those things called? The big trucks. The big trucks. Not iron horse. No. Ironhide. Ironhides. Yeah. Put them in one of Doomsday. Them. That's the one I like using. Doomsday, yeah. yeah. Um, or even portals as well. Lots of the factions. I, I cannot get those to work for me. I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing wrong. Uh, yeah, they are, they are hard to pull off because of the scatter. I think yeah. This is the tricky thing. Um, but they're worth having. Um, and, you know, especially if you've got, say, Absolute Power or the Warrior Nation who start with a lot of portals oh. already on the board. I get so pissed. Bounce around. <laughs> I get so, so Warrior Nation just ticks me off with their their sprinkling of those things. And uh, the players that I play that play Warrior Nation in our store, they like hiding them mm-hmm. behind cover, basically. Yeah, and you forget about them. You yeah. forget they're there. And, and they just go. And then when they're hidden behind boxes, you can't just have a guy go up and shoot them because that's usually what I do is I shoot them. Yeah. But if I can't see them, it's like I got to get right up on them. Yeah, man can't hit what you can't see. That's sneaky crap. <laughs> but it is another variant of speed, so it's similar to, you know, bikes or whatever. It's just, and again, it's just having a different way of dealing with the same problem. Yeah, right? yeah. I think that's, that's really important. You might go, oh, you know what, I don't want mounted or I don't want portals but maybe i'll have a transport mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. so this thing's worth bearing in mind yeah because you don't want to get stuck and just be like oh i can't get anywhere no objectives can't get into an employment zone or whatever because you know the game is a lot about positioning because cover is so important yeah um especially because you can double up on cover but i think a lot of people forget that if, if you're behind one piece of cover yes you're at minus one to hit and you're a plus one to grit check but if you're behind two pieces of cover, then you're at minus two to hit and plus two to your grit check. So positioning is super important. Yeah, yeah. Something that I never remember. Oh, no, I don't either. I just rush my guys out yeah. in there. Yeah. Funnily enough, when it Straw's the guy, so we, with the battle cave that we, we play at, uh, is Straw's house. So he sets up all the tables before I get there. <laughs> and it tends to be he's got a better opponent <laughs> zone than me a lot of the times. 
which I think is a little unfair. But, you know, it is what it is. I'll let him have his win if that's what he needs. He's not here to defend himself, so he's got what I like, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He'll <laughs> probably smack you when he does hear yeah, it. Yeah, but... totally. Totally. And my last one, which isn't... Which, as much as I was saying how, uh, you know, you want to have different options... Uh, this is literally a rule that I think, if you can squeeze it in your army, it's really worth having, is the elite rule. Mm-hmm. Um, so elite allows you to spend an action card, and even if it's not uh, an action card that gives you plus one action point, you can use it as a plus one action point. And I think it's just super handy to have, because sometimes when you draw that hand of action card, uh, adventure cards at the start of the turn, and you go, oh, I can't use any of these. You know, I know that his hand units are really out of the way, so I can't score off of that. Or maybe you get lots of, like, destroy something in a strike action. Well, all my guys, you know, turn one, they're all out of the way, I'm not going to get into combat. Um, it's a right pain in the ass. Yeah. But if you've got someone with elite, you can use, the, you know, he draws a one action card. Oh, man, he's rubbish. No, great, I can use three of these action points. Boom. So I think if you can squeeze that into your army, it's really worth doing. Makes your action economy so much stronger, I think. Fortunately, there's a fair few people with it, so it's not like you have to pick this dude and that's your only choice. Yeah. There's, there's at least two or three people in each faction with elite, I think. So, yeah, one of my the things that I like is uh, the card manipulation. So, we got Gambler uh, is for Outlaw, where they manipulate the cards. Mm-hmm. And Enlightened. Seven's got the split personality, so he's the card uh, mitigator, basically. You can yeah. manipulate that and say, you flip over a one, oh, crap. But it's like, oh, split personality triggers, I can flip another one. Maybe yeah. I flip into the four. That's it. And then, like, Helena Miller can do it. She can really stack that deck of looking at the top three cards. Yeah. Put them back in any order you want. So you can, like, plan it ahead, your yeah. next activation. So I think something like that has that card manipulation, whether it's uh, the adventure cards or the action cards, you can, it helps you plan out your activations and your posse. Yeah, I think it's a super underutilized part of the game. Um, I've been recently, as I've said, I'm playing a lot of absolute power at the moment, and um, the third man's got Fate Weaver, so you get to look at the top three cards of your opponent's deck it's either the action or adventure deck. Okay. And then you can shuffle them back in any order. So I usually wait for him until that kind of second to last activation. And then I can draw three of my opponent's cards and then decide what order they go in. So I know what his initiative card's going to be. Okay. And then make that really low. And then my last activation will be like Kodiak. He'll charge up the board. And then I know that I'm going to win initiative, so he's straight in your face, ready to go. And then, and I That's to, dirty. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I managed to kill Custer. Oh, day. my God. Straw was playing. Uh, he had like all the hands and everything else, just Custer. So I was like, right, I'll move up. I know that I'm going to get win initiative. And then, bam, Custer was dead. <laughs> so good. I can only imagine what he was saying. He was not happy with me. No. <laughs> But, you know, I laughed, so it was all worth it. <laughs> but, yeah, I think card manipulation is a really under, underutilized part of the game that is pretty strong. Yeah. People I, don't kind of appreciate how strong it can be. I mean, the where I see it the best right now is in um, the Lawman Posse that came out with Jedrick mm-hmm. and Helena Miller because they both have 
card manipulation on both of them in the same posse. Yeah, yeah. So it's like one can put them in a different order, and then the other one can do something else. With, I, you know, it's just it's nuts. I worked out an insane combo, right? So uh, Rani Nimue, who was the free model they were giving away when they first came up. Yeah, with a game. little pirate queen. Yeah, yeah. She's got... I forget if it's Shrewd Strategist or something else. Tactical Brilliance, I think it is. So you get to pick three of your cards, put them back in any order, right? Mm -hmm. And in her posse, one of the mercenary guys is Broad Arrow Jack. Okay. Uh, And that's her husband. They got married. Uh, And he has got Gambler and Stone Cold Killer. Okay. Right, so gambler, as we've said, you have to redraw the card. If you do and you get high, you ignore your action limit, right? Yeah. So that means you can effectively do infinite things. Stone Cold Killer, every time you kill a model, you get an extra action point. So you activate Rani Nimue, you decide what order you want the cards to be in, then you activate Broad Arrow Jack, you draw a card, which is like a two. Oh man, then you draw another card, knowing it's going to be a three, because you put it there. Yeah. So now he's got no action limit. Every time he kills a guy, he gets another action point. He gets point. another action point. So in theory, I mean, you can't just get, like, infinite shots off. Yeah. You still need, like, two action points to do each shot. It's a pretty bonkers combo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you can, I mean, I haven't got it to work yet or anything, so it's not that good. <laughs> but in theory, it's awesome. Yeah. All right, so that was kind of the last one we came up with, yeah, was card so. manipulation. You had all yours, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only other one was, like, putting in Dead Eye and doing if you can, so you can pick up. But, I mean, we kind of talked about that with um, Vlad Ursel. I think having Dead Eyed is super handy to be able to pick off, like, special guys in units. Like, if you've got a heavy weapon yeah. or something like that, or being able to, like, if you've got a, a leader and they're down behind a bunch of dudes, you could just take them out. Okay. Yeah. How do you have? I know there's a lot of snipers floating around, whether they be in the mercenaries or in other factions. Yeah. Because if, if you're within, I think, ten inches, you can ignore it anyway. So it's not that much of a big deal, but it's just nice to have. Yeah, gives you variety in yeah. options. Because that's what that's what we're talking about is options. You want yeah. options. Yeah, having a toolbox and being able to utilize that as best you can. Yeah. For sure. So that's it. I mean, there's not really. You know, if you want to play a super hand-to-hand army, that's fine. If you want to play a super ranged army, that's fine. But no, you... I don't want to play that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it's just being aware that, you know, you want to score victory points. So yeah. There are ways of doing it. Definitely. Because it's not uh, who can shoot the most fastest exactly. anymore. No. It's not that game, and that's a lot of people. So many miniatures games... That's what they're about. Yeah. And Wild West Exodus definitely is not that. It's yeah. it's strategy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know, playing the demos, when you see other people playing and you can see them kind of picking up track ticks, and you think, well, actually, I want to shoot that guy first, but he's already activated, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. On the other hand, because he's already activated, that means that he can't sh- uh, shake off his disordered. Mm-hmm. So maybe I do want to focus fire on him. But maybe I want to activate my boss now because I'm running out of fortune points and I need to regen that. And I think it really, there's a lot of things in there that you have to think about, a lot of decisions you have to make. Yeah. It's one of the few games I've played where I'm always playing the game, even in my opponent's turn, because I've got want to do that uh, quick in the dead or mm-hmm. want to spend those fortune points to get veteran instincts off. Uh, and I think that you're, you're always engaged with the game. Um, I've got these cards, when do I use them? Rather than just going, I mean, 40k is the typical one. We used to play a lot of 40k. It's just like, right, I'm going to have my go. 
you only have you at Wargo, I'm going to make a sandwich and have a cup of tea. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, oh, I don't need that. I want to be in the game. I want to be rolling dice and bantering with my buddy saying, yeah. you suck. <laughs> That's what it should be about. <laughs> in the nicest possible way. <laughs> All right. What you got? What else you got that you want to talk about? That was it, really. That was it? That was it. I just, just had a couple of things. Okay. I thought it would be nice to talk about them. You're getting hooked on our top threes, and you came to me with this list. I was like, holy cow, he's doing homework. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, 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 this is my first radio. Well, I mean, this technically is my first radio. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you would have me on. It's, been, sure. it's, it's, a, it's nice to be invited on and, and have a chat. And- well, last time we got together and, you know, we saw each other, we talked about doing some stuff. But it was, Gen Con was just crazy busy. Oh, yeah. I Gen Con's always busy, but... Yeah, you guys were like sweating down there. Yeah, I mean we've been lucky because you're in the same hotel, so we can just pop upstairs. Yeah, do a bit of recording. Yeah, it's been super nice. It's a nice thing, and it's not loud. <laughs> we we were thinking about doing it down in the lobby, of the hotel, and like a, a gang of bikers were in the hotel yeah. and asking us, "What are you playing?" And we're like, uh, "A card game." <laughs> and those aren't my kind of cards. No. <laughs> Sound like that there, Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I guess, yeah. It's kind of Pokemon. I mean, it's not, but don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm surprised that we didn't get the Uno. Is that Uno? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think games do bring people... Coming to a convention like this, you realise how games can bring people together. And even a game like Uno, a few months ago, over the summer, uh, I went to my local pub, and there was a bunch of people at a table playing Uno. And I kind of just went over and go, oh, you guys are playing Uno? And said, yeah, yeah, behind us, just join in. And you, you, you wouldn't do that just to random people. But yeah. Because there's a game involved, it kind of breaks the ice, you know? And it's the same being here, like, because everyone's nerds, <laughs> like playing the toy soldiers and stuff, you can just go, hey, man, that's a cool T-shirt. And they go, thanks very much. That's that's why on some of the social media and online, I used the old, uh, do you remember Revenge of the Nerds and the ogre character from that? Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, my God. There's a, and he, I mean, he's your typical big meathead jock. <laughs> With right. the, the Letterman coat, but the sleeves are ripped off, and he's got these big muscle arms. Nice. And whenever he sees the main characters, which are they're all nerds, he just yells, nerds! <laughs> so I use that as a little icon, because it just cracks me up. Yeah, yeah. And then by the end of the movie, he becomes one of them. One of the nerds, <laughs> I love it. Because that's what we say in the gaming world, yeah. is one of us, yeah, you know? one of us, man. And that's so good, I and mean, that's what I love about doing the demos as well. You get people into it, and they're like, yeah, man. And they're like, yeah, you get it. Oh, yeah, they get excited, and it's like you start telling them some of the backstory and stuff, yeah. and they're like, really? And they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like sitting there and watch Daz, because Daz always gets excited, yeah, you know, and gets those people excited. He's so good at running demos. He's, he kind of sickens me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, well, you just move those things and do yeah. this thing, and I don't remember what it's called, but you can do it. You can do that thing, yeah, why not? <laughs> I, I get I get confused a lot, especially because you. You're, the worst thing for me is when you run a big long demo and you really get into it, and then there's people waiting and they just come straight in and go, "Can I play?" And you're like, "Yeah." And then you get halfway through t- telling them rules and you forget what you've told them, what you haven't told them, what you told the people before, and I, just because I want people to have a good time. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, I got some questions for you. Oh, uh, now. Yeah, I got some hot seat questions for okay. you. So if anybody's listened to our past episodes when we've had a guest on, and we usually run them through a hot seat, I want to see how you answer these. So mm. 
Let's see, our first question. So if you were a character in the world of Wild West Exodus, who would you be? Oh, who would I be? Uh, if you want to name one of the, the gals with the dresses, I, I can. That's, cool. that's okay. I'm Definitely. good with that. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say that I'd be someone like Kodiak. Okay. But I don't think I would be. I think I'd be more like. Oh, I'd be the, like the old sculpt of uh, Philippe Spinoza. Okay. The old grotty one. Like because he's getting a re-sculpt in the new in the new thing, and he's got the big fancy hat, um, and or no, maybe Ike Clanton, someone who's like a bit dirty and a bit grotty, <laughs> someone like that. I think, if I'm honest, I'd love to say it'd be someone cool like uh, Jim, no, what's the guy, Jim Peterson, uh, the kind of the Deadpool type. Yeah, yeah, like that's that. what everybody wants is the yeah. Jim Peterson. Uh, yeah, uh, or Slane, but no, I'd probably just be one of the scrotty old dudes. <laughs> Scratches beard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> oh. Hey, you're making me cough. That was a good one. I did not expect that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so going along historically, mm-hmm. if you were in the Wild West, someone you would find in the frontier. Who? What kind of front? You know, Wild West character would you be? Would you be like an outlaw, a lawman? Uh, you yeah. want to be uh, one of those minor guys that is sitting there sifting, looking for gold? You know, and... In real life, who I'd love to be? Who I? Who, I mean, everyone loves him. It's got to be Doc Holliday, right? Oh Every yeah. Time. He's just he's just such a legend. But I think I would be. I rather than one of the, like the super adventurous types. I'd be one of the guys who like ran the saloon or ran the local general store. You know, everyone else okay. would be at, like at the gold rush, and rather than me doing that, I'd be like, okay, so these guys have got a bunch of money. I help them spend it. You know? <laughs> kind of like doing this, you know, like when you run demos, you're like, you know what? I'll sell you some plastic crack. It's all good. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, I'd probably be that guy. I'd probably be running like a the, card table or the, something the like that. The peddler guy, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Making money off of their fortune. Oh, man. Okay, so another question for you. Now, if you rode into town on your blank, what would you come into town on? Ooh. In the world of Wild West Exodus. In the world of Wild West Exodus. Yeah. Oh, man, your ears are smoking. I know. There's something about... There's something about a black hoof, man. Yes! Yes! There's something about a black hoof. I think, you know, I just... I just love them. They're just super cool. That's what I'm talking. I gotta give you one of these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a sucker for those mechanical horses. I, yeah. Even though they leak radiation, it doesn't matter. your fine. hair's falling out. You don't need all your teeth. No. <laughs> Get gold teeth put in. That'd be fine. Awesome. But yeah, I just think the black hoops, they just look cool and there's just something. And there's. I think because they're effectively they're horse shaped, I think they're more evocative of the Wild West. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're still that familiar imagery of the Wild West, but it's got that tweak to it. Yeah. You know, that different. Something's not quite right. Yeah. You know, the same. So I hope we get to see some more. I mean, they're starting to we're starting to get sprinklings of them more and more. I do need to pick up some of the Confederate scouts. I picked up some this weekend, and I actually picked up the Condistadors with the oh, black hose. Really? I <laughs> like I don't even play Condistadors. I got them, but yeah. I'm like, well, I, they're horses. I gotta I gotta yeah. play the horses. So yeah, I mean, they, I think they just feel right to me. 
Okay, so you're going to ride in on Black Hoof mm -hmm. into, let's see, and you go to the saloon, you mosey into the saloon for a game of poker, and you sat down at the table. Who would, who would be sitting down at the table there with you? And it can be, um, oh, so it could be, well, let's start with the World Wild West Exodus. I've been kind of flip-flopping on this, so <laughs> let's do, go that way, and then we'll go re reality. Okay. Oh, man. You, want so you, you probably don't want to play with Doc because he's no, just going to take all your money. Totally, he'd kick my ass. Right? <laughs> I think, um, oh, wow. I'm trying to think of the factions. None of the hex dudes. I mean, no. You know, because they just totally screw you over. Uh, Do some mystic, you know, crazy shenanigans on you, and you're just yeah. like, yeah, you want my money. Here you go. Yeah, you don't need that kind of thing going on. You know what? Faraday. Okay. From the Deadly Seven. Because he's got that kind of attitude where he's a robot, but he he's kind of human as well because he's kind of gained consciousness. I think he'd be really interested to talk about you know, some really interesting philosophical thoughts about life. Being kind of like Data from Next Generation. You know, I imagine him being a bit like that. Like, yeah, he, he's gained consciousness. He's kind of like... He's now a, a civilized being, you know, and this is how he how he kind of pontificates about humanity. And the how quest of being a human, yeah, a yeah, real human. It'd be really cool to, to sit down and play a game of cards with. It'd be a pain in the ass because obviously he doesn't have any facial expressions. Yeah. So you can't read him in any way. Well, that and you'd have the problem with him marking cards with leaking oil or whatever. Yeah, yeah certainly. <laughs> but I think he'd be, uh, philosophically speaking, he'd be really interesting to talk to. Okay, okay. So you got that player. Uh, how about, like, if you sit down for poker mm -hmm. and all through, like, history, science fiction, just in, in like, outside of Wild West Exodus, what, what do you think you want to play poker with? Um, Doctor Who. Okay. Doctor Who. I think any of the Doctors, whether it be, <laughs> you know, the new Doctor or, or any of the old ones, I think, again, they've just got so much life experience. Yeah. Now, is, is, that, is that a British thing? A Doctor Who thing. I mean, I'm a Doctor Who fan too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, is that like your go-to for over there? I think for a lot of people it is because it is. it is. We don't make a lot of like really super popular TV, and that is a that's a kind of a TV. Oh yeah, that's it is crossed boundaries. It's been it's over 50 years now. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I think we're kind of we're very proud of it. Yeah, you know? and we're very affectionate towards it. Okay. And, even the, you know, yeah, like the old episodes, some of the effects were just awful. I love but, them. Love them. You know, that's, that's just how it was back then. They didn't have the budget. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I think, yeah, it's, the Doctor's got a nice positive message, I think. You know, she has yeah. like guns. Oh, I say she, she's a she at the moment, but, you know, uh, they don't like guns. They don't like confrontation. They're really more about solving problems. And I think that's a nice thing to have in a hero. Yeah. Whereas so many of them are just like flexing muscles and punching people. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I'd like to play... Play like, poker with Doctor Who? Who? With maybe like a uh, different generations of them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Different yeah. generations. Oh, my God. Maybe like Tom Baker and... <laughs> Tom Baker and Christopher Eccleston and like... That's uh, the one you like, Mary. Yeah. You know, and David Tan all together playing poker, that'd be great. Yeah. Poker, that'd be wicked. Good times. So you don't want to play with, let's see, I'm thinking uh, the dark days of Doctor in the 80s. Colin Baker? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no we, don't, we don't talk about Colin Baker. No. <laughs> no. 
Oh, that was when it was. Uh, that wasn't uh, Doctor Who. It's peak. I will. I will have to say. Yeah, it's, I've watched them, but yeah, it's 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 tough. Well, I mean, that's just how it is. It's like, you know, a lot of these things over time. You have know, good good episodes, bad episodes. I think um, I'm a big fan of, of Firefly, the TV show, and I think in a way one of the best things it did was only has one series yeah then you only ever remember that really good one series there's a lot of obsessive people with that show yeah yeah I watched it I thought it was good yeah but I don't get the that that obsessive you know with that show I think because it dies dies too early and people are like oh man we should have had more and so on yeah. and so forth but I think if you had have had more it probably just would have gone downhill like a lot of TV shows do and then yeah. it just would have been another show but now you've got it you've only got those like 12 episodes or whatever it is yeah and so you it always leaves you wanting more you know well there's been people what when that come out? Like 15 years ago? Yeah, man. Oh my God. There's still people like pushing for a remake. That makes me feel old. Yeah, makes me feel old. <laughs> my back makes me feel old. <laughs> okay, how about this one? I, I should have asked you this one first. So, That's cool. Hat guy. I'm a hat guy. You can see I'm... Uh, I don't think you've seen me without a hat this no, weekend. I've not seen you without so, a uh, Only because you took it off at me, but I've been apart from that. Yeah. So, what kind of hat would you wear? A Stetson? Or a ten gallon, Stetson. Stetson, you're yeah, a Stetson ten guy. Ten is a bit too big and unwieldy, you know. I think a Stetson you can wear and. You can like, put a sandwich up in that ten gallon, though. Yeah, I'd, I'd be nervous about it. I thought <laughs> my neck not strong enough for a ten gallon. <laughs> okay, so it's Stetson. Now, do you have a favorite Western movie actor? You're really dug in deep with the world of Wild West Exodus. I mean, is there like a, a Western actor that kind of you know you? You gravitate towards. Well, I mean, it's got to be some kind of hook for you. If you're talking one performance, that's one thing. But I think generally you've got to go. I mean, it's got to be Clint Eastwood. Okay. It's got to be. He's a legend, and especially Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven is just yeah amazing. That's a phenomenal so movie. Good. You know, and I think you know he's got. He's got by that point, he's got so much experience. He's got so much kind of self understanding and awareness about what he's doing in that film. And yeah, it's just so good, just so good. Yeah, I'm a Clint Eastwood fan too. I mean, I grew up in a John Wayne Clint Eastwood household, so as I got both, and I like both. Yeah. But I think I like Clint Eastwood. He's the more I think realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Western. I'm not gritty. Yeah. Gritty. I'm not as a fan of the of the John Western, uh, John Wayne stuff, it's a bit kind of campy. Uh, yeah, a bit campy, a bit kind of two-dimensional if you like a lot of it can be I mean I'm not saying they're all like that but yeah. generally speaking I mean it was a different time yeah, for yeah, the totally. both of them it is what it is yeah okay so Clint Eastwood now what about favorite movie do you got a favorite western movie favorite western movie has got to be Tombstone 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 is, is just so good That's Kurt a, Russell is amazing in it's it it's a big pick Kyle Kilmer's amazing in it yeah. Sam Elliott's amazing in it <laughs> everyone's really good <laughs> Yeah, that entire cast that they had in that yeah. movie. I mean, we had Billy Bob Thornton in there. Yeah. Before he was anybody. Before he was even anyone. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, I mean... And I forget, the, was it Powers Booth? He Powers Booth was Curly Bridges. Bill. Yeah, and he's just a great in that as well. Michael Biehn is... Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Johnny Ringo. Johnny Ringo. That bit with Johnny Ringo and him in the, in the, in the, in the bar together. Oh, Johnny Ringo and Doc Holliday just kind of doing all that. <laughs> They're sparring. Yes, yeah, so good. 
Oh yeah, I could watch that over and over. It's just amazing. And I mean, it's it's very Hollywood. Oh, of course. But it's it's fun. It's a fun western. And it looks great. The production is just stunning. Yeah. The costumes that I think they like built a town. They literally rebuilt Tombstone yeah. Desert somewhere, you know, and and everything was was in keeping with how it would look. And I think you just you get so drawn into it, you know. It doesn't feel like you're in, you're looking at movie sets and no. actors. It feels like you're there. I love Kurt Russell yeah. already. So him in a right. yeah him in a western. He just has that. He already has that appeal. But when you put him as that historic figure, yeah, that was just like larger than life. Mm. And I can't imagine anyone else playing it. I can't imagine someone no. else being white up and doing that kind of. When it, there's a great bit when here. Kurt Russell goes into the bar and some guy's got a faro table and he wants it and he's like why why don't you skin that smoke wagon and slaps him across the face with yeah, his glove and I, he's just staring at him and you're like oh I'd shit my pants <laughs> I'd just straight up poop myself you know and it's like so good so good I love that film that's awesome alright and I kind of know this answer but listeners well listeners probably know because they watch your videos on the Battle know. Hammer but what is your preferred army to play? Well, um... I mean, I know you said you're kind of branching out a little bit. Yeah, if you'd have asked me this two months ago, I would have said, without a doubt, enlightened, specifically Countess Augusta Byron. Okay. She's the, she's the first thing that drew me into the game. I mean, she's Frankenstein's bride. Yeah. But she takes off parts of herself and replaces them with, I like your hands, I'll have them. I know. It's a fantastic backstory. Yeah, and it's super creepy, and I love it. The... the <laughs> The little story that Sarah Corkwell wrote on the blog is just great. If you get a chance to check it out, do. But lately, Absolute Power, man. I'm loving you're Absolute all, Power. You're all about the hex now, the, oh, the dark beasts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get to use hex beasts. You get, like, hex bolt as a rule, as, as a weapon. It's so good. Three shots, you find. Uh, so you crit nines and tens, lethal. Just so good. Heck yeah! I'm in the background getting something. Yeah, to show man, you. Here we go. So it's it's not it's not those guys, but it's close. It's hex. It's yeah. hex, though. Absolute power is at the moment. Uh, that's my jam. Because I wanna I wanna try and figure out how to combine this with absolute power and yeah. you know yeah, double posse it up. Carly in the Dark Nation box, that upside down. Mm -hmm. It's just mental. It's very Such a good sculpt. That's a disturbing sculpt. It really is, yeah. <laughs> in the best possible way. Yeah. All right. Mary, throw me that. I got something for you, Parker. You've got something. I got something for you. You shouldn't have got something. It's not bigger, it's not bigger than a baby's arm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know you asked me about this a while ago. I wish oh, wow. I, I wish we had video of this. We might have to have Mary take a yeah, picture of that. Oh. So I got uh, so I got Parker and Straw shirts. So you guys are like the first ones that is so to get cool. shirts. And of course I had to do bright ass orange, Mate. so we can see you in the crowd. That is such a nice. I mean, thing. I showed Tom this, and he goes, "Holy cow, that looks good!" Because yeah. it makes that logo pop. It really does. Oh, for the people at home who, who, yes, who won't we'll, be able to see this because it is on a podcast, we'll post it. Uh, it's the Black Hoopsaloon t shirt. Oh, the print on the back as well and everything. Heck yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So you could be a poster board. Yeah, man. <laughs> so they are uh, Black Hoopsaloon t shirts. Yes. Same as the ones that you guys wear. Yeah, my brown, dirty so ones. Instead of brown and dirty, it's bright orange like the Bauhammer wear. 
That is so amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I know you. We talked about you. You wanted one. You yeah, liked them. Man, that's really nice. And of course, when I when I uh, did some shirts up, I'm like, if I'm gonna do shirts for you guys, I can't do brown. That's it. It's got to be all brand, orange. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I really appreciate that, man. So sure will be chuffed a bit. <laughs> really Not that I'll give him his. I'll just wear mine just, twice. Yeah, there you go. And dirty this <laughs> day and wear the other one. Yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> that way I can have one on the go. All times <laughs> i have to make sure i wear it i will definitely wear it the next time i play yeah hopefully it brings you brian luck and not my luck and you know brian well, with his his crooked dice that he uses you know it's funny we talk about luck my i've got a friend back home and he, he says there's no such thing as luck it's all about statistical clusters right i can't do and that I'm like i get it and he's right however if you're the part of the statistical cluster that fails all of your dice rolls, that's bad luck. That's me. That's me. <laughs> but one thing I can always... I'm, I don't have any particular luck one way or the other when it comes to dice, apart from grit checks. Grit checks, I seem to be able to make for days. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Maybe, I, maybe I'm noticing it wrong. Maybe it's just because I've got tough on a lot of things. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I've just got a lot of fortune to spend in the absolute power posse. Oh, God, it's a ridiculous amount. Yeah. yeah I had like 14 in my list. Oh, my God. It's great. <laughs> I did not feel bad about it at all. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well. Oh, thank you for my T-shirt. You're welcome for your T-shirt. But uh, I think we kind of covered everything. Just a quick talk. Yeah. Since we're in the same hotel and the yeah, same man. con, figure we'll do something together and get, put it out there. It's going to be late now. Yeah, you got to get up and do some more demoing. Yeah. We still got one more day. One more day. Woo! No sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, anyway. I mean, oh, we're in Philadelphia. So, yeah. Well, we're close to Brooklyn. It's right over yeah, that it's way. Just that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Parker, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much for um, having me. It's been a real pleasure. It, it's great to see you again and pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, man. Um, nice I mean, you guys are champion the game on your guys' channel. If you guys want to check it out, check out the Battle Hammer on YouTube. Yeah, do. They are all up in it. They do all kinds of games. And if, like you said, you don't mind a little... Uh, swearing and yeah. partying and if you don't mind a lot of swearing and drinking then uh, we'll have you yeah it's entertainment yeah that's it check them out and uh yeah thanks for listening to this kind of just a quick special black hoof saloon and uh while you guys are out there uh rolling your dice hopefully you roll some big hits and you have a lot of luck and uh always ride with the sun at your back and always roll those crits yeah Oh, yeah, I'm right to be proud. <laughs> yeehaw, that was a good yeehaw. That was a good yeehaw. I'm proud of myself. Hey, fellas. Guess what we got for the end of the show here? I don't know, Eric. What do we got? (laughs) Well, I know it's something that you like, Tom. We got some questions. So a while back on Facebook, we we did a a post uh, just asking some questions. You guys could, I mean, we're always asking for questions. But, you know, you guys can send them in on a regular basis. And something we want to do is we want to, like, I'll print them out, save them. You know, I want to gather them all up. And we're going to put them in a 
uh, a big old 10 gallon hat and just randomly draw out a couple questions and we're you know we want to answer them on the show and i think what we're gonna call it is a Pony Express Mailbag Bonanza. I don't know. Good title? Working title? <laughs> I like it. You like we it? Got, we'll got, got, to say it. got to say it with a little more flair. You'd like the Pony flair. Express Mailbag Bonanza. There Something we go. Like that. <laughs> go, 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 go. <laughs> Come on, Flash. So... We got from, I pulled these questions from different areas, so, I mean, when you guys send these questions and just comments or whatever to us, you can message us, uh, put it up on Facebook, what else do we got? We got Podbeans, I, I pulled some from there, and we went through some of them, and we did, like I said, we added them to the hat, and we just picked out some random ones, so if if you guys don't hear your question... Don't worry. We will eventually get to it. We're just, like I said, just grabbing them and going. So one of the ones we got here for the mailbag bonanza. How's that? Better? (laughs) No. No? Okay. (laughs) So one of the first ones we got uh, is from Andrew and... I'm not going to butcher Andrew's last name. I think it's Nets. Uh, He sent this in a message, and he wanted us to explain Arcane and explain it when you use it in, like, a shooting action. Uh, He said it's a little bit confusing to him, so he kind of wanted us to go over it real quick. So, uh, Tom, Brian, what is Arcane? Tom, hit unmute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we're going to look at the great spirit shaman's car. So to, to find a model with arcane, uh, look around in the uh, warrior nation or the dark nation. That's where you'll probably see these pop up. And uh, it's a special rule. So arcane says during its activation, this unit may spend one action point and may use its mind attribute in place of any other attribute except limit for any check. All modifiers to the check are still applied unless they specifically refer to the replaced attribute. Arcane lasts until the end of that activation. So it's basically so, you're you're switching one stat for another that costs an action point. Yep. Right. So and it's for the entire activation. So it's basically something you do at the beginning of the activation, knowing that you've set up your shaman to do something. So for the shaman, he's got two weapons. He's got spiritual inferno. And he's got Spirit Blade. Depending on what you're trying to set up, his fight is four and his aim is four. And his grit is four. So those are all pretty low. So when you're thinking Great Spirit Shaman, you're like, with a mind of six, that's a pretty good cost analysis. You know, for one one uh, action point, you can beef up his fight, grit, or aim to his mind uh attribute which is six so it's a really it's a good cost right so what you would do is you would have to pick one because it can't just keep changing it so you would say hey my spirit shaman's gonna spiritual inferno uh somebody so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna use one activation point during this activation to swap his aim attribute with his uh, give him the six from his mind attribute so you don't 
lose the six mind. So if he gets, you know, a give him hell and they shoot him, try to dark counsel him or whatever, or uh, to compel him to do something, he still has the mind of six. He doesn't swap the stat. He just gains the mind six for his aim to the end of that activation. So now that his aim is six, it, he can then go on to another action, right? So he says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to spirit inferno somebody and the modifiers that would normally occur when you do your aim still count if it doesn't mention aim specifically, right? So you would look at the different modifiers. If it says minus something to aim, then it wouldn't count because it's it's saying the aim attribute specifically. Now you know it's not gonna it's not gonna affect your your role. That's basically how it would work. You would then also, because it's a big, big event, you're gonna spend all this extra fortune. You may want to other throw in some other fortune like uh, or maybe focus that shot. Spirit Inferno is a tune, so you may want to go ahead and spend a, a fortune on that as well and boost that up. Right. So long story short short, um, you are boosting the attribute you're using to do the action you want, but you're paying a premium to do it because you're paying for the action and then you're also paying to use the extra attribute. Right. So I can get very expensive very fast. Yep. So uh, just in, in the example Brian just laid out, that's going to cost you three action points to do that. You know, you're going to have uh, your aim. So you're going to make your aim attack. You're going to swap your mind for your aim attribute. You're going to focus it so now you're up to an eight in the, you know, before negative modifiers doing that. But you've just paid three action points to do that. Very, very expensive to do. But it can pay off because you're getting some good numbers out of it. Right. So, like, uh, I just pulled up the, the different modifiers for shoot actions. Um, and it turns out obscured, it, it uses aim attribute in the description. So obscured penalties do not apply if you view, you're using arcane for a shooty action. Uh, also, long range doesn't apply because it, perf- it clearly states your aim attribute, so it, you don't get long range penalty either. Um, target and gains of combat, minus four to your aim attribute. Again, doesn't count because you're using your mind now. So it's really good when you know you're going to be doing those things. You can say, oh, well, I don't have to worry about the minus five from a long range into combat. Because I'm going to go ahead and spend that extra point and you get to ignore all those obscure bonuses and you get to use, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a good trade off, but there, there is some prep. You have to have the available action points. You got to have the available, uh, you know, focus or fortune to maybe beef this up some action point cards. So it's a, it's a tactical move. So you got to be ready and prepared. Another really good card that has arcane to consider is Raven spirit has it. He's got a mind of eight, so that's that's a really good uh, mind to swap out yep. for some other stuff. Yeah, might not even need to focus his because it's so high already. So there's question number one. So let's see, we got question number two in our bonanza. How about that one? A little bit better? Yeah, you're getting there. I'm getting there? Okay, I'll keep working on it. So we have one from Jan. And Jan posted on a Facebook post, he wanted to know, how much background do you think 
War Cradle should provide for the individual models? And should it be located elsewhere besides in just a sales blurb? Um, so, two-part question here. How, how much background do you think should be provided for the individual models? For uh, face units, for any kind of named character, there should be something. Uh, you don't have to have a novel written about them, but you should at least have a blurb that ties uh, the character into whatever posse or faction that they're in. Uh, I don't think you need much more than that. Well, it helps, it helps you get attached to that, that model, that character. Yep. Well, the way you know. I see it for, for a named historical figure, even some of the, the bigger faces that are unique to the game, as much as you can to capture that, that character in the game, is what I want to see, you know, they seem, seem to be doing that now, uh, whether it's in the, you know, only on the sales board, but I, I don't really care where it is, but the, the goal would be then to expand on that. You know, it's like, Hey, they're doing a really good job with the vignettes. So we're getting a little snapshot into some of the other named characters through that, which, which is cool, you know, until, until we start seeing a steady stream of the novels return. I like seeing these little blurbs and, and they're doing sneak peeks in them too. You know, they, they pop up a, a little bit of blurb and all of a sudden they mention like four of the models that we don't, we don't even know about. Like when they put up Lokes, when they put her new uh, blurb on it, Hey, she's a girl now. And she, <laughs> she's like three or four other models that we have no idea what's coming, you know? And, and that's cool. I, I like that. Yep. You got any so, other uh, ideas, Tom, where maybe it could be located? Well, for the second part where it could be located, uh, you know, you, there could be a fan-made wiki site. Makes sense for it. There was one for version one of the game. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to keep it updated. It's a lot of work to get it populated. But that's a possibility if somebody had the ambition to do that. I don't think War Cradle would have any real objections to that. Then another possibility is to have some sort of a source book that would have, you know, a compilation of all the little blurbs. That was done many years ago. White Wolf did that with Warriors of the Apocalypse, which took all the characters from the Rage card game and translated them and gave them story uh, backstory to use them in the role-playing game. Uh, so you had this source book that had all the characters and just, you know, a paragraph or two about them and how they fit into the overall story. Uh, something like that might be appealing to people. I don't know what costs would be involved there, what kind of effort would go in there. So I'm not saying that's coming or, or uh, anyone should be looking for that, but it's a possibility. It's something that it's could be done. Yeah. Right. And, and, and they could even tie it in to be like an art, the art book, the art book outlaw miniatures did really, yep. really cool. It had a bunch of pictures mm -hmm. and you, you Com combo that with the, the source book idea then you have pictures artwork uh, even maybe painted examples of the models with a little entry for you know background fluff you know that'd be cool too yeah i, I mean those are the ideas i would have off the top of my head that'd be yeah that'd be interesting i think as they expand their dystopian world a little bit more I could see a bigger possibility for something that of like how this, like how Nakano, you know, not only is in the Wild West, how she fit in the rest of the world, you know, where's her place yep. type thing. All yep. right. So question number three in Bonanza. Bonanza. 
Better? There you go. There we go. All right. So we have one from Jens who sent a couple questions in on Podbean, and we picked one out in his his kind of small paragraph that he wrote us <laughs> that uh, he asked, what historical figure do we want to see represented in WWX? And I don't know. There's There's a lot of historical figures that we have yet to even see in the Wild West. Uh, I don't know, Eric, what, what would you like to see? Um, well, I think me and you kind of, I don't know a particular name, but we'd love to see the Pony Express in the wild, yep. wild west. Some kind of, I mean, me, I, I, I deliver mail. So as my day job, I, I'm kind of partial to the Pony Express in that sense. That's where my job started originally. Right. I think that would be neat to see, you know, a, a guy on, you know, mounted on the black hoof, and I, I would like to see an actual posse, a, a, a Pony Express posse. There's see a lot some, of historical figures, some young yeah, riders. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah, basically, but I mean, there there were a lot of historical figures that actually were Pony Express riders. Uh, one that comes just off the top of my head was Buffalo Bill. You know, from you know the Buffalo Bills Wild West, uh, what was it, the extravaganza or whatever, yeah. where it was him and Annie Oakley, and you know uh, he what he was originally a Pony Express rider, uh, so you know you could make him the boss of the Pony Express or something. I don't know, but I, I think that there is some opportunity there. Give us something, you know, a, a, a mounted on Black Hoof's posse, which you know they don't have to be the greatest fighters or anything, but they should be good riders of some sort. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that they could be a lot of fun. You got anything, Brian? What historical figure are you thinking? Probably a lawman, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I think Judge Stern is awfully lonely being the only judge in the lawman. And there's a Texas judge called Judge Roy Bean, and he's a little bit not- notorious of a judge. And I think that would be pretty cool. Why is he notorious? See, I would have to like to refresh my memory, but he he just was one of those Western judges that didn't take any shit. You know, he was right. uh, known for wacky, forceful law providing. You know, he, he didn't he wasn't known for being a badass, but he was known for being a, a, a surly, surly judge. You know, yes, with the with all that law providing, <laughs> law providing. <laughs> That could be a new new keyword for him, surly. Oh wow, yeah, <laughs> that'd be an awesome keyword. <laughs> that could be one of his special abilities. <laughs> surly and and law provide. <laughs> no, 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 do we do we have any other ones that come off top of our head? Oh God! Um, you know, I've I've been asking for Pony Express since the beginning of uh, version one, so that that's always been the one that's been at the top of my head. Yeah. So, um, you know, if I had more time to think about, it, I could probably come up with a list of twenty or so <laughs> that I'd like to see. Had a few, you know, uh, Buffalo Bill, Annie Oakley, Annie Oakley, yeah, those both would be really good historical figures. Um, Doc could use his sidekick. What is it? Uh, Mad Kate or what was her yep. name? Big Nose Kate. Big Nose Kate. Big Nose Kate. Uh, there's quite a few women actually that 
we sh- would probably more than likely get to see because of you know uh, the higher ratio of uh, girl models we've been seeing. So that would be kind of neat to see more of those pop in. Like I wouldn't I mind think- seeing a union medical officer and uh, use like one of the famous Civil War nurses that like started the triage stuff back way back like, then. I, mean, like I read Farnsight Gale or something. Similar. I, I've read a bunch of stuff. There, there were active, you know, nursing going on during the Civil War. You know, so it would be kind of neat to see one of them be the Union's sawbones, since they don't really have one. Uh, I think it would be neat to see some of the characters from the show Deadwood. Uh, Deadwood is a historically based show. You know, a lot of those characters, Swearjin and Bullock and everything, they they were real historical figures. So I think it would be interesting to bring them in because I think a lot of people know them from the show. <clears throat> they would tie in with Wild Bill a little bit uh, since he died up in Deadwood. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, that there's a possibility for a, a number of different characters for, for different posses that you could pull right out of that show and which would also be historical. So, I, you know, that could be both historical and sort of a pop culture kind of niche there. Oh, yeah, because wasn't that another subcategory from Jen's question was pop culture icons that yeah. you wanted to see? Fictional yep. pop culture, like, you know, so we've got some of our outlaw mercenaries that are like, you know, Deadpool, Punisher, um, uh, Slain could go either way of Doctor Doom or like even Skeletor. They, I'm not really sure what. They have the, nods the towards that, these but. fictional characters that we're familiar with, whether they're from movies or comics or, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could put you could pull them in from anything, really. You know, obviously, when we have guys like uh, Punisher and and Deadpool um, based characters, they're they're influenced by them. They're not actually those characters. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you know, we have we have a. <laughs> Uh, a character that has almost like a, a hooded cloak type duster and he carries the glowy, you know, hand to hand weapon. But, uh, you know, you know, and they don't, they don't buzz or anything. They don't hum <laughs> right, and, right. And, he does, and he doesn't have a father, but <laughs> he, does. he doesn't know his background. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, so I mean that just opens it up to bring in things maybe from other time periods that you could translate into similar type characters. You could bring in a, a Robin Hood type or uh, you know something along those lines. You know, I, I think I think that there's a lot of things you can do pop culture wise, but you, you kind of don't want to get too silly either. You know, we've got a couple of things that already kind of stretch the suspension of disbelief a little bit, you know, I, I'm not sure we want to see Ninja Turtles showing up no, uh, in yeah. the wild west or anything like that. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, that you got, you have to be very, very careful when you start looking at, um, fictional and pop cultural type of things. There, there is a time period that this game is set in. Uh, there is a setting for it. Uh, and not everything fits into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be, pretty much like plausible you know for the time period exactly all right well like we said earlier when we started this that kind of we, we covered a couple questions uh if we 
you guys didn't hear your question, like I said, don't worry. We're saving them for maybe in a, another episode. But go ahead, keep sending them in. We'll keep track of them, and we'll do a Pony Express Pony mailbag, mailbag bonanza. bonanza. Again, it's something that we we really like doing. I mean, it kind of it helps generate some conversation between the, all three of us, and we we hope it's entertaining with some of the things we come up with. Uh, it's kind of off the top of our heads. Some of them we have to look into a little bit ourselves. It gives the community, it gives the, community the ability to join the show. Yeah, which which is you know. I, I like that idea because a lot, you know, the show itself is us doing it for the community. And when we hear back from everybody, it really, it helps us want to keep doing it because um, it know, helps energize a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we're just as much part of the community as everybody else. I mean, we're just fanboys, more or less, just that like to like to ramble kind on about the, kind of leads us into your uh the other thing we were going to unveil about community contest. Are you talking about a certain contest, Brian? <laughs> yeah. Weren't what, what, we discussing that earlier? That, that is an awesome segue. <laughs> I don't know, it felt rough, like rough a little. <laughs> so, so, so should we start with, with the contest we're going to do or the one that I proposed that got shot down? <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with yours, Tom, is you would be the winner. So, Tom, Tom, explain. What's wrong with that? Explain to what. So, okay, we were talking about before we started recording doing a contest for our anniversary show that's coming up soon. It's going to be in April. But Tom came up with this contest. Tom, what was your contest? Well, I think that all of our listeners should each go out and buy a Union Iron horse and paint it up to to the best of their ability. Uh, good painter, bad painter, it doesn't matter. And then you send them in to us, and um, all submissions become the property of the Black Hoof Saloon. And we would judge these, and uh, and a prize would be awarded for the best for what we judge to be the best painted and modeled uh, um, submission. I thought it was a fantastic idea. Um, Brian and Eric thought I was being a little ridiculous. <laughs> I don't think I said this. I, I never said ridiculous. Well, <laughs> when I asked what the prize for the uh, submission would be, we're thinking of what? It'd be a picture of you autographed, smiling big? That seems fair. I, I mean, it seems it seems only right. Um, I could also include a picture of um, a cavalry posse all assembled and together. And how awesome would that be? I, I mean, that, that I think that's what we, what we should go with. But I'm only one vote. <laughs> no, actually, what we did come up with. Uh, so, like I mentioned, our anniversary show is coming up in April. Uh, that's going to be episode 12. And we thought something, we, we've been kind of trying to brainstorm with a, a community contest of, you know, to help you guys get involved in the show. And we came up with the idea of, I know there's a lot of writers out there, and we wanted to do a contest of like a, a story, a short story that you guys can send us in. Uh, we'll read it. 
and we'll like pick which one that uh, you know made us laugh, made us excited, anything. It can be about something in the world of Wild West Exodus, whether it's a specific character or a, a posse. But we did have some uh, some rules for it, and one of the rules is that the Black Hoof Saloon must be featured in that story, that said story, in some capacity. And also, Tom wanted us to add the roles. So if you are a listener from the beginning, I think our first episode, we came up with uh, with the three of us, the roles of uh, somebody who's a piano player, the bartender, and the madame of the saloon. And you guys decide who's who and how they fit in the story. And that's basically all we had for prerequisites. And if you guys can get that submitted by, you know, before we release the episode 12, we'll go ahead and pick a winner. And we'll, you know, we are still actually discussing on a giveaway prize that uh, we'll give to the, the, the winner of this contest. Yep, we have we have a few ideas. We have to look into the viability of them, but I, th- I th- we're pre- we're pretty confident we can get uh, at least one or two of them into production. So and, uh, and don't so worry, it won't, fear not. It won't be a, a a picture of Tom smiling, holding iron horses. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be. <laughs> I think that's up to the listenership. So if you guys had any questions about that, uh, go ahead and shoot us a line. I mean, like I said, it's pretty basic. Just uh, a a story, a short story that uh, whoever we pick to, we're going to go ahead and probably end up having it read on the show as like a segment type thing. And uh, yeah, go out there. I guess that would depend on how long it is. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm... We will have it read, and it will be put up on YouTube. Yeah, if it's if it's long, it be, I mean, it might be separate from an episode. Short story. So maybe we'll narrate it, our voices for all the characters. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is this going to be a dramatic reading? Hmm. Well, I think we should do it that way, we right? Could do that, it that way. Why don't, why don't I, in the I, comments, I, I, y'all say, "Hey, we want to hear it as a dramatic narration by the podcast." We we have enough family people. members, right? <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm, I'm a person of many voices. I, I, right. I can. Tom Kenny, come on! I voice SpongeBob. <laughs> All right, so that is slated for episode twelve. We are on episode nine, so you guys got a couple months to work on that and submit it. And uh, we look forward to seeing what people come up with. I mean, it's a good way. We thought it's a good way to get the community involved in the show. Yeah, to hear something on on the show would be kind of cool. So, all right, what else we got today? We have uh, a couple announcements that we wanted to go over real quick too for cons or things coming up that uh, War Cradle is going to be appearing at with the booth, doing demos, and just showing off Wild West Exodus that you guys might want to keep track of. The soonest one is going to be a. Depticon, and that is here in my home state, Illinois, March 27th through the 31st. And War Cradle is actually 
going to be having a tournament in that. Um, and also at Adepticon, I think we're going to try and get a group of us, the community members that are going to be there, uh, we're going to try and get some open play going. I am hopefully going to be able to grab... See, the thing about open play is it's they have big areas with tables, and it's kind of first come, first serve when it comes to the open play. And hopefully I, or if Tom is 100% coming, can grab a table or even another community member like uh i know some of the guys that are coming from different areas of the country if if one of you guys that are going to be there and want to grab a a table that we can start setting up open play we'll probably be doing that all weekend too i mean me and tom had some ideas for something a little more organized but uh we kind of want to we'll see how it goes type thing for that so um Another date coming up, so for anybody interested, we have the Gamma Trade Show, March 11th, and that's out in Reno, Nevada, and that that is basically for store owners, Brian, and just retailers, the Gamma Trade Show? Uh, yeah, distributors, uh, retailers. Game design. Uh, so if anybody's just, we figured we'd mention it if anybody's interested or has a, a, you know, interest in carrying Wild West Exodus, you can see them there. Also, we have Gen Con at the end of the summer in August. It's the uh, beginning of August, August 1st through the 4th in Indianapolis. And then we have Salu in April in london and that is on the 6th of april so those are just some of the events and cons coming up some of the bigger ones that war cradle is going to be at we thought we haven't mentioned any of these con dates in a while um uh, you, you missed the game expo in the uk as well when, when is that one? that one that one's fairly recent i think i saw a post of it, it it's i want to say it's in it's in may but I, i'd have to research that so they just announced it yeah they just announced that one i believe they were there last year too again so at games expo is may 31st to june 2nd ah okay yeah, i was looking for it too <laughs> out in the uk so check that one out too guys but yeah there's just a couple con dates that we wanted to mention since by the time like adepticon rolls through we'll be starting to see kind of the the cons starting to pop up more and more uh, as we get into the spring and summer months well that guys about does it for this episode we had some little announcements there for everybody i mean we said last episode that's the new year and we're going to try some new things for everybody try to get the community involved a little bit more Uh, if you guys are at going to be at adepticon which is Guys, it's coming up quick. That's two months. Uh, yep. We got to start. I know I do. You probably do. We got to start painting. <laughs> yeah, Brian's got to start painting for me. <laughs> Put it in a big old box right. with a Better stamp. Hurry and send it. <laughs> so as always, guys, you can uh, get a hold of us on Facebook at Black Hoof WWX Podcast and go ahead and send us emails at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com and 
Yeah, keep sending in those questions and comments. We'll save them. We'll throw them in the big 10-gallon hat and give it a shake the next time we do a uh, a uh, Pony Express mailbag bonanza. And uh, remember, work on your, your guys' little homework assignments for our anniversary show, and hopefully we'll probably come up with some more ideas for that. But until next time, guys, this is Eric saying take it easy. And ride with the sun at your back and always roll those crits and take us out, guys. Bye, y'all. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> One of these days I'm going to say a yeehaw. Thanks for stopping by the Black Hoof Saloon, y'all. We hope you enjoyed your visit. Feel free to get a hold of us with comments or questions via the interweb and shoot us a telegraph at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com or find us on the Facebook at Blackhoof WWX Podcast. Music provided for use by Ross Bugden and can be found at one of his YouTube channels, Ross Bugden Music or Ross Bugden Composer. Until your next visit, Ride with the sun at your back, and always roll those crits. So I'm going to use cow punchers this episode. Howdy, 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 everybody. No, that sucked. I got to start over. (laughs) (laughs) There, who was there? Hi there. I I screwed up already. I did watch the the ending of The Good, The Bad, The Ugly the other night. Make me laugh. I can't do this. Yes, sir. All right. Are we going to tackle portals tonight? We can, but I'll have to put this down. (laughs) Oh my God! There'll be so much anger. Just we'll 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 feel the heat and seething rage coming off of Brian. Sound like a bunch of old ladies griping. Come on, be fair. We're like old men in rocking chairs. Yeah, yeah, true. Gumming our food, saying, show off my lawn. <laughs> drinking whiskey. <laughs> See? Well, I'm drinking mint tea right now. I was going to say, I was, I was going to say, you know, like mint juleps or something. <laughs> well, yeah, I did go to Kentucky, so I did get some, some good bourbon. <coughs> oh, my God. Definitely editing that out. Nah, I'll leave it in. It's fine. Yeah, me. Hacking up on the lung. It, it adds some some uh, authentic authentic peopleness to it. Do I start to? Am I starting to sound like a, a dry, crusty old Western cowboy? It's yeah, rough. No, neck. not yet. The, then, then you that that's when you have to like. I remember back in the day. <laughs> Got black lung.
I spent too much <coughs> time in the coal mines looking for my fortune. Well, that could be from from all those non-filters. Huffing <laughs> RJ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still on a black hoof. I don't care. He's been, he's been, he's been vaping. He's been vaping, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to get back to this. I'm just going to reread this. <laughs> I lost track of where I was. Damn, Brian, it's all your fault. What? It's all your fault. Always, always dislodging our brains and shit. <laughs>